0: Hi there, just a quick thing ahead of the episode. Just a reminder that the next one I'm going to be doing is on live albums and live DVDs, and I'm looking for some listener submissions of reviews for this. So you've got until the 20th of February if you want to be involved. Um, All the details are in that uh, announcement episode, I think uh, two episodes back. But basically I'm looking for five minutes of audio recording of a review of a a personal favourite live album or live DVD, um we've had a few few people get involved but it'd be great to have more of you on this so yeah if you've got any questions hit me up at metal at com or on any of the social media accounts so yeah you you've got till the 20th um and the, beyond that there's not not really any any massive rules for it i don't mind if it's even sort of uh, metal adjacent but yeah, just uh be cool to have you all involved in this. Alright, anyway, uh let's return to the fifth part of the worst titled series I've come up with. <laughs> Phil's Breakfast Metal episode 82. So this is a continuation of my Forgotten Gems of Death Metal series. I'm recording this in the same sitting as the previous two parts because the pile of albums I had was big enough to stretch to three episodes. This one might be a bit late low on content. I've got seven albums to cover so if the episode comes in a little short, apologies, it might just be a bit of a short one. Possibly I'll add to it later I'll have a I'll have a month or so to sit on this. Um, Notice as well, I I finally actually have a release schedule. The last uh, the last seven or eight episodes have been coming out um, every fortnight on Tuesday afternoon, uh, which uh, I'm going to try and stick to from now on. So, yeah, like this should now be a show that comes out Tuesday afternoon every other week. Um, so yeah, this 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 one is. Going in the same vein as the previous four parts, this is going to be another pile of death metal albums and EPs, etc. from mainly the early 90s, some a bit more modern, that I I feel are somewhat underrepresented. Like, as always, I think I've said in every single episode, I kind of hate the title I've gone for, but um, yeah... Take it, it comes from a good place. Forgotten might be the the wrong word for a lot of these bands, but they're they're stuff I at least haven't heard a great deal of conversation about, and hopefully this episode makes sense to say. I've already recorded two before this today, so I might be a gibbering wreck at this point, but hopefully I've still got something at least vaguely interesting to say. So first up is a, I think, fairly underground one. This is a split release between the Swedish band, Alter, and the Finnish death metal band, Cartilage. Um, both bands did a couple of demos in this split, and that's pretty much their entire career. What's interesting about this split is um, it seems like they were both bands that took a bit of influence from each other's scene, so it makes for a really a kind of fun crossover. So we'll start with the Alter half of the split. Um the split's entitled Ex Oblivion slash The Fragile Concept of Affection Ulta have the first 20 minutes of this this 45 minute split and I really like the Ulta half of it as I say they they aren't your traditional Swedish death metal band there is a a certain degree of kind of Finnish influence in their guitar tone, a few of things thrown in, which I really enjoy, so bear in mind this is essentially a split demo like the you are not getting the tightest like most crisp production you've ever heard on this, but it does sound really decent if you can put up with the kind of somewhat uh somewhat wet drum sound um there there's something about the um about the the drumming there's kind of like a damp thud to it which that doesn't sit too well but the guitar tone as much as it's kind of buzzy and raw has a real nice kind of i don't know there's there's a real like evil to it i uh, i i really like that so at its core it is quite fast kind of heavily down tuned um fairly brutal death metal with a touch of um a touch of doom in places so the bits where like things um there are moments where things slow down and there's some keyboards layered over the top and things get all a bit sad and introspective for a for a minute and then back into being really heavy um a good example of this is on the um the title track of the album there's like a long like almost two minute long atmospheric section before we go back into the uh the um the kind of the meat of the Death this album. There is a particularly hilarious moment actually where there is either a sample of or someone actually sort of like in studio like kind of dramatically weeping over this sad keyboard section which is immediately blown out the way by a massive like dive bomb like whammy bar squeal on the guitar which a really fun um really fun shift back and forth now something that like will give this album a, a degree of kind of legendary status is it was mixed by, um, or not I'm sorry, split EP, mixed by Dan Swano, and he also provides some um, some keyboards through uh, through the first half of it. I believe like he um, might actually be credited into the second. Unfortunately, I don't have the booklet to hand. It's, it's another one I've ordered off Discogs, and I'm hoping arrives in time to um, to include a track in the episode. But yeah, this um, this alter like EP split is is a really interesting artifact of showing kind of i guess the start of evolution out of the swedish scene um apparently they moved to being a bit more melodic before they 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 ended up splitting but um and and you can kind of see that with with dan swano's like uh addition to the sound but the core of the band like, they, they recorded this album as a or this ep as a free piece of um uh Magnus Carlson on bass and vocals, uh Frederick Johansson on drums and uh Jimmy Lundmark on guitars. Like apparently, um well, sorry, not apparently, I don't Um, they so a couple of those names sound familiar. Those they're not credited with any other bands according to Metal Archives, so I think they might just have the same names as some other kind of famous uh, musicians. But yeah, uh they they never really did anything after this. So style sort of this sort of 20 minutes of music is the most notable thing we have from the band and it's a shame because i I thought it was you know really really well executed if a bit rough I would have loved to see this band have a bit more time to hone this sound in in a full length the so that that kind of intersection of kind of quite brutal almost finished death metal with these kind of ridiculous like very involved dramatic doom parts was uh was really exciting particularly to pull off something sort of this competent and kind of full sounding as as a power trio which uh, said before is a, a very sort of rare occurrence for death metal uh, I particularly like, as well, some some nice touches of... Uh, something that seemed to be really common in the Swedish scene that I really miss um, is throwing in a, occasional, like, pitch-shifted, like, super-low backing vocals. And I think this sort of went out of fashion because bands became very obsessed with this idea that the vocals must be replicatable live. And I, I quite like those, like, obvious, like... Uh, studio tooled ridiculous demon voice every so often. It's just a nice touch to this uh, to this release. <laughs> second half of this split is something that given the current obsession with Finnish death metal i feel urgently needs to be sort of dug up again and reappraised the the fragile concept of affection by cartilage extremely short-lived Finnish project but you know 1992 early on in that scene um and this is this is truly what we think of when sort of talking about like kind of the Finnish, uh death metal scene obviously the straight death metal scene, not the the melodic tinge scene that would take over the country in years years past that. Um the, yeah, this this out this half of it it has a much better tone to the older half of it. It the, the drums sound fantastic on this, considering considering the kind of the quality of recording. Um the guitar's got a really cool tone to them, the you know, kind of classic early Finnish death metal sound the The vocalist has a really good growl, Uh, Mickey Salo. It's the only vocalist for this band. He's never gone on to do anything else, uh, oddly enough. But yeah, he has a really strong kind of low, clear growl. The structure of the songs are far more um, traditional death metal. Like, there's none of the the kind of odd doom of um, of the alter half, but it's just like absolutely excellently pulled off. Now, no surprise about the kind of quality of this, because what's quite interesting is most the uh, lineup from this, um, like this release, would go on to form maturation who put out like one album, uh, a leftover that I covered back on my uh, finished death metal episode uh, about a year back, and. Um, and it, it, that's an incredibly uh interesting release like really kind of expansive death metal a lot of interesting ideas in there it's also a reason the drums sound so good is the guy playing them is Kai Hato who um went on to play in Rotten Sound Swallow the Sun um briefly in Wings and now is it not Pat Wings, um, and now is in Winter Sun and Nightwish, so an incredibly accomplished, uh, successful drummer um, and, you know, really gifted musician. The, uh, yeah, the the only other, like, sort of notable uh, members is the guitarist slash backing vocalist, um, went on to being Wings, who are another sort of interesting, if relatively, I think, short-lived uh, Finnish death metal band, one of the ones that sort of straddle the line between the melodic and the the death scene but yeah this this is just a great artifact from that point in time um i i know it's it's only short and it is certainly rough but i think a lot of those early finished death metal demos are well worth picking up lots of bands like um demolic or um or Zizma and stuff were doing amazing stuff on their demos and I I feel this is is yet another one that from this time period was really sort of pushing uh, pushing the boat out in terms of that kind of heavy sound for this time period. It's an interesting one as well, the the cover of this album is uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like a cool concept for a bit of art but it looks like someone created it in like uh in like a tool you would have built like really early pc games and it. it has this like very strange pixelated quality to it yeah certainly an odd one but yeah like uh it's all up on youtube if you want to check out the split and as I say, i've ordered it from discogs so i think you can i think you can pick this up if like for a, for about 15 quid it's, it's not particularly expensive so it's is a cool piece of metal history and well worth well worth I think, delving into for two two bands that never, never quite made it to the the full length stage, but certainly had something interesting to say. Get particularly held up at customs. This might be uh, uh, episode slightly light on music, but this is an, another album I've come across relatively recently and just look, like super excited about. Uh, the band is from Germany and they're called Mangled Torsos and I'm going to be talking about their debut album, Drawings of the Dead from 1994. So this is kind of a, I would say the vocals alone put it in the camp of kind of brutal death metal, but what the the sound of the band is 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 kind of far more interesting and experimental than that um, that makes it sound. The at its core, this is a free piece of um, bass player, drummer slash vocalist, and guitarist slash vocalist playing kind of relatively like relatively straightforward like part to part death metal but then they've layered loads of interesting stuff in it there's like synths dropped all over the place throughout the album over the kind of like the heavy guitar passages and they totally work they just sound completely natural and really like on point the the star of the show musically is definitely patrick the drummer like he's got a re- the drums are really well recorded for this massive snare sound and there's loads of great moments where the bass player and uh guitarist will just hang on like a single open chord and he'll do like a series of drum fills before going back into a more blasty section where all the the guitar work kicks in a bit faster the vocals on this album are utterly amazing there's a load of like super super lows like like ridiculously low vocals i don't know if they're like pitch shifted i think some are definitely pitch shifted there's also some natural serious low gurgles we're talking like first couple of bill steer on the first couple of carcass released lows but then there's some cool highs thrown in as well but the album isn't as nasty as that early carcass it's kind of more cool and like open and groovy rather than being really kind of like really kind of grim and gnarly to hold your attention the band throw in a lot of like bizarre experimentation throughout there's there's all sorts of odd breakdowns like there's this um huge like acoustic section in the in the title track drawings of the dead that then like builds perfectly back up into the like really heavy, blasty section at the end. Um in the track Morphia, we get this it goes really, really slow and plodding, like really, really like snail's pace with these hyper low, gurgly, creepy, weird vocals over it and subtle layering of keyboards in the background. The uh the, yeah, the song's really really odd then you get stuff towards the end of the album like uh i think it's malignant tumor has this this long section of just bass and drums like playing again very slowly but rather than being any vocal or guitar accompaniment there's just like like these tolling church bells and then very low in the mix you can kind of hear what sounds like like kind of sex noises or or something like that on a song called malignant tumor it's bizarre really strange stuff but but it kind of works it all like the album certainly has a consistent atmosphere and when it's doing what it does best like the big death metal bits it just sounds amazing, the combination that amazing drum sound and the, the brilliant vocal performance. I'm not sure which one of the two vocalists is pulling off those amazing lows, but those lows are properly spectacular. No idea what the album is about, actually. Um, there's a quote from the guitarist that the album has some lyrics, but uh, they didn't want to write them down because they didn't think anyone would care, <laughs> which is slightly heartbreaking, I hope. I hope he didn't put a huge amount of effort in the into them, with just uh just to throw them away like that. Uh, the um cover's pretty odd as well. It, it, I can't tell exactly what it is, but to me it looks like one of those like really really zoomed in photos of like a bacteria put through like a weird well like with that kind of weird like bluey black uh, like almost gray scaling applied to it. It's it's an int- like a really interesting choice for a cover and actually like that combined with the 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 kind of the way they've done the logo and that actually does look really cool they've got a really good logo as well interestingly they would throw a lot of that away with the 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 follow-up so the band do have a follow-up to this uh that came out the next year called godless where they could totally change up the sound those low vocals are completely gone and honestly, I I enjoy because I enjoy Drawings of the Dead so much. This total change of direction just just wasn't for me at all. Like, obviously, go check it out. Uh, it might well be more your thing, but it is like the band just morph into a completely different band with that next album, and and for whatever reason, they they seemingly break up immediately after that album comes out. <laughs> The next album I want to cover is kind of a fun one. It's not the 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 most incredible out there, but I, I found it really enjoyable and like well-executed. This is the short-lived uh, Netherlands-based band Ulsterate Festa with their uh, debut album from 1995, Sonotorek. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that wrong, but that's the best I'm going to manage. So after a couple of demos, they, they put out this debut. And... Um, Apparently they, they started life as more of a grind band. I've not heard their um their their debuts, but this album is it like interestingly sits between sort of melodic death metal and uh and kind of more straight up death metal. There's just some amazing melodic riffing to this, like the opening the opening track, um, The Myth, has this repeating lead section, which is so amazingly catchy. There's a really good guitar tone to this album as well. It's not like the best recording going, but it's, it's got a really awesome sound to it. Um, I, I found it like initially just really engaging of just hooking me in with these great leads start, straight away. The album really sort of gets into its its groove though in the, the second track, the title track, where it starts throwing in some more odd elements so after like a kind of brief kind of like cool melodic intro it goes into this um this odd like guitar tapping section was like a slightly psychedelic bit with the as well, on top of the drums there's like this hand clapped beat going as well which seems to be like really channeling uh like something like pamphamonium like it was yeah a very interesting interesting choice and the rest of the song goes on in this kind of like odd vein is structurally a very strange like lots of just interesting technical riffs kind of chucked together and the bass really cuts through i believe that the bass player is doing like really prominent slap bass throughout which again like a, a very rare occurrence in death metal outside of novi who uh played like live bass for vader um and in his band like uh diazire who uh, we covered i think on part two of this um yeah i've not heard a lot of use of slap bass so like having that really massive twang coming through the mix was really cool uh the, the vocal performance is this this cool kind of like mid-range kind of clear growl which fits perfectly with that kind of slightly more melodic sound the album has and the, uh, the performances are like they, they're all fairly technical. The album's incredibly tight but it's not ever massively showy there's not a great deal of like flashy guitar work so the main issue i have with it is the the kind of sound of the drums is a bit weak like the kick drums i think might be like an early form of triggering and the the kind of the kicks sound a bit flat and The drummer's never really doing anything that incredible either, so I know it's it's somewhat that's the bit that slightly lets it down. But as I say, I really like the guitar tone to this. The mixture of that really loud, prominent bass, occasionally going into even the realms of like slap territory, mixed with that quite. full I think quite detuned guitar sound works really well and I like how the guitarists are quite restrained often going for just like small lead passages rather than ever really doing any self-indulgent solos the the melodicism in this album is really cool and as I say it's got a huge amount of hooks that I found kind of really engaging the the thing I kind of miss with it is like those first two tracks are really enjoyable but I would like some more elements later in the album where things got a bit more brutal a bit more kind of blasty and heavy and it never quite goes to those territories it's more of a melodic death metal album i guess and maybe that's 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 my issue there like uh, i'm not the biggest melodic death metal guy much like with uh episode four in this series it's yet another one with a really strange cover it's a the cover is like this kind of runic drawing in red on a bright yellow background and Ulcerate Fester's logo, despite having a name that makes them sound like the kind of grimmest like most gruesome sort of early gore grind their logo is this totally readable shiny metallic font so clearly they've gone through some quite strange like sort of changes in their their sort of five years as a band at this point and uh following um falling on from this three years later they'd put out the album uh sold out which i I've only heard like really in passing but they they move into being a a, a hard rock heavy metal band like it's really complete like change in direction and actually looking them up their their demos have a different logo to this like weird metallic one that looks a bit what well, kind of looks like a black metal logo but then uh, they, they they've clearly gone through some weird changes never quite settling on a direction most of the lineup uh would um would kind of continue all Straight Festa because the name was inappropriate for what they're doing, change, uh, change to Liquid Baby, and in 2002 put out uh, their only album under that name, uh, Liquid Planet, which again, bit too hard rock for, for my taste, but I did like the name Liquid Baby. <laughs> um, yeah, so so that's also a right fester like a, a really a really weird oddity from the netherlands but yet more evidence that i think uh there is a lot of interesting stuff to unpick in the sort of mid-90s netherlands death metal scene i think mean, it's a lot there i'm yet to come across and i think this is going to be i think there's going to be a renaissance of that scene in the near future I and mean, that's going to be once we will get bored of the of digging up all the finished bands i think it will be the Netherlands we start looking to next <laughs> with an album i think makes a really interesting counterpoint to uh mangled torsos uh, this is um infesta from uh washington who did basically one album under that name and and then uh split up so they, they their their one album to the depths in degradation came out in 1994 they'd previously released a demo under the name uh for an odist and then released the darkness unveiled demo in 1992 ahead of this that demo is also really well worth a listen and if you get the the re-release of to the depths um their their first demo is on that and yeah as i say well worth of checking as well what infest do is this like incredibly evil like i couldn't believe they weren't finished when i first heard of them like coming from 1994 with this sound. There is such ridiculous low-end evil. It doesn't have the any of those trappings of the American scene at this time. It, it is a very uniquely odd album, much like a lot of those uh, those Finnish bands with channeling. The vocals are primarily this hyper-low, pitch-shifted voice. The, the music is incredibly changeable in pace there's sections which are like full-on blasting but then it will slow to absolutely like nothing in places like these long sections of drawn out just like church organ type keyboard or stuff that's just doing a low groove on like like a very distorted bass sound everything about this is geared to sound incredibly dark and nasty the um yeah the the band at this point are um are, are only a free piece uh with Jason O doing guitar and vocals uh DJ D doing drums and Todd S on bass and all of them are massively critical to this sound the the guitar work is is not remotely flashy it's very um very kind of minimalist almost in places but as i say it just has this incredibly sort of scary tone to it like there's something um there's something kind of very off about it uh djd uh on top of the drums adds backing vocals and keyboards and the keyboards are a critical part of this album this is like it was one of those weird ones where it's like a super kind of cult like scary death metal album but it's absolutely layered in keyboards which you'd think would Like almost move away from that but uh no it just just fits the sound absolutely perfectly the uh the drum performance is kind of messy like it's not the tightest the blasts are fairly sloppy the double kick work is not that even and the double kicks don't even sound that good doesn't matter at no point does that detract from this sounding like, like a really terrifying product and there's those constant changes in pace kind of keep things really unsettled. This this band never seemed to be uh, really trying to fit into a groove at any point. They're just, like, they're not trying to be catchy. They're trying to make something horrific and scary complete with those, like, the really low pitch-shifted vocals throughout. It's just, yeah, constantly just trying to be real, real, like, evil. Um... I think I initially came across this one through Heavy Hole podcast as well. This was a Big Will recommendation, I believe, and it's very much in his vein of what you'd call metal of death, that kind of nebulous area of uh, something channeling like the pure energy of you know unrefined death metalness, like really wanting to be this kind of metallic soundtrack to a horror movie and this this really has that um the cover i think fits so perfectly what the band are it's this like black and white kind of i believe it might i'm not sure how the is put together it could even be pencil kind of uh footage of these like pained figures in this this red lake uh like a fire with these almost like uh twisted priest-like figures between these, like, screaming, skinless bodies. It's really messed up, but also kind of a messy, sloppy picture. It's a bit all over the place, but that perfectly fits with the sound of this band. So apparently around the time Infesta were active, they acted as a backing band for the Meat Shits, who are a band I know nothing about other than having a slightly sort of dodgy legacy. uh but yeah don't read anything into that i don't know what i'm talking about on that front um so but outside of that like the the guitarist and bass player never really went on to much else the the only one um the the drummer who goes by djd in this album uh dario derna uh more recently known as numinous has been on to quite a quite a story career really he's um he played keyboards on the first two oaken albums uh, was the drummer for uh, death metal band Drawn and Quartered for quite a few albums, so seemingly leaving them in 2012. Um, on top of that, he has his own like solo black metal project, Crom, and is currently in the band Ritual Chamber. So like the guy has gone on to do a shit ton of stuff, and and you know between varied things doing vocals, guitar. Uh, keyboards and drums like yeah clearly a really talented multi-instrumentalist and seemingly always remaining in the vein of stuff that's kind of evil like different sounds like Evoken is a very far kind of step away from uh, what we get in Infesta but it's always in that kind of sort of bleak terrifying realm he clearly has a talent for that. I realize I said the vocals were almost entirely pitch shifted there's definitely some more normal kind of delivery stuff but he seems to always have a vocal effect on it there's always like a edge of distortion there's some kind of like proper grindy shrieks thrown in places but primarily it's this very low kind of distorted sound like so maybe maybe i'm wrong on the the pitch shifter front but it's certainly certainly an interesting effect added to the vocals which i think just totally fits with the atmosphere of this album So I ran out of stamina recording this episode last night, and I've come back to it the next day. Hopefully, uh, the two <laughs> the two recordings don't seem too different to each other. Anyway, I want to move on with another kind of interesting project from Sweden this time. This is the incredibly short-lived Utmano, uh, spelt U T U M O N. This is, this is like quite an interesting album because it, it comes from that classic era As this, in fact not an album, it's just an EP a, a short six track release uh, called Across the Horizon from 1993 and it's quite an interesting one because it's sort of you know, deeply rooted in the Swedish scene, like a lot of the musicians involved had connected connections to a lot of other bands from around that time period I think particularly these guys were good friends with the guys in Afflicted who we covered uh, two episodes back um, in this series and it's much like Afflicted, it seemed to be a band very much pushing to not sound like their peers in the scene the The EP their second release after the very short EP, The Light of Day from 1991 was recorded at Sunlight Studio but they actively said that they went in there and they wouldn't use the house drum kit, they, they want to use their own their own amps so they didn't sound like yet another kind of entombed nihilist clone and what we get on this album is kind of something i think more akin to i think they mentioned in sort of the booklet to the re-release of across the horizon um really kind of worshipping stuff like autopsy so this has got a really kind of like heavy kind of nasty vibe to it and um the album itself for me it feels really based around like the incredible drum, drum work of Jonan Holberg. He is just furiously blasting through this album like just amazing fills and just constantly for me like the center of attention and and the while it's a little rough from the edges it's it's quite a nice recording like the at least the remaster i've got of it apparently the original was never actually mastered so this uh i think it's like 2008 remaster of the album sounds a lot better than it, it did at one point in time in my humble opinion at any anyway, rate i'm sure some would disagree but yeah this is this fantastic drum sound and the guitars like they considering they were kind of following their own path trying to make quite a different sound the guitar tone is actually really decent another real standout from this album is uh vocalist jonas stahlhammer um he's got a really kind of cool signature growl on this just very um It's it's kind of clear and prominent and just really, like, nasty rasp. But, yeah, I I really like his vocal delivery. The album's really short and just this kind of... It does feel like six tracks where everyone is just trying to sort of hold everything down, keeping up with this, like, furiously fast drum performance. But there's some little moments of cool stuff. The fifth track, Sunrise, had this long, uh, melodic lead section in the second half, which is, like kind of surprisingly beautiful after everything that's come before it. Although, uh, it is slightly let down by the the brief line of spoken word right at the end of the song of then it started to rain on a track called Sunrise. Yeah, a bit a bit all over the place. But there's a lot um, I really like about this. It's to say the band purposely distancing themselves from looking like others. If you look at the cover of this album, it's this kind of really beautiful, waterfall scene under this kind of like... Uh, very colorful skyscape. It's uh, it's uh, again one with a really nice color palette and just, but just like I would have no idea what genre this this EP was just picking it up blind. Um, and and I like that they've gone that way. It, it, similarly with the the sort of the band name, the album title. It's not clearly um, like a death metal band. Coupled with that, the uh, the band have quite a kind of fun take on the image as well like in one of their original promo photos they got a lot of shit from the scene because one of them's wearing a madonna t-shirt which you know back in 1993 was definitely a polarizing stepping outside the death metal crowd and the rest of the band are all in like jumpers they actually kind of look like a grunge band in their in their couple of band photos i've got in the the re-release of the album Interestingly, a couple of members of this band went on to some other stuff, like most famously the vocalist uh, Jonas uh, um in... Like, he joined The Crown as their replacement vocalist in 2010 for Doomsday King which i think is a doomsday kings i should say which i think is the only crown album that doesn't feature Johan lindström on vocals but was meant to be like a very well loved comeback for the band i've never actually checked that one out i need to need to give it a look he was also in the uh, the band macabre end who i think changed their name to god macabre and put out they yeah put out one pretty um. Pretty legendary uh, Swedish death metal album the same year, The Winter Long, 1993, which is also well worth digging up. But now, most famously, he is um, he is guitarist for At the Gates, which is yeah pretty amazing. Yeah, as of 2017, he joined At the Gates as, a, as their second guitarist, and it's funny because in the he's sort of interviewed in the uh, Atmano, like the book that goes along with the album, talking about their most successful ever gig was without the gates and i imagine when he was being interviewed about that in 2008 had no idea he'd actually end up being that band later on yeah really cool um really cool kind of crossover there sadly the amazing drummer i was talking about um uh committed suicide uh in 2001 but before that he was um he was briefly in a project i've not had chance to look up but are really well related to what we've been talking about in this series of a band called Cranium, who I think put out two albums of like kind of thrash metal kind of stuff. And the lineup is is really intriguing. It's um, the bass player from Afflicted and, um, and then him on drums under the name uh, NecroNudist, which kind of gives you an idea um, of the style these guys were going for. And then on guitar and vocals under the name Chainsaw Demon, we have the guitarist of Dawn, the, the guys who put out the amazing Slaughter Sun album. So that sounds like a real kinda of like star studded lineup and that, that sort of came out a bit after this in ninety five, I think their first album is. So yeah, this like most of the rest of the band didn't go on to a great deal of things, but they yeah, there's some um some interesting connections post this EP. To say it's it's not a great deal of music, but it's still well worth I think going back and digging up. Oh, and the so I did some reading uh, when I first got this album what what on earth the band name's about, because uh, that initially didn't mean anything to me. So, doing a bit of reading, um, it's Morgoth's Fortress uh, from the Lord of the Rings mythology. Having only read uh, The Hobbit and the um, the Lord of the Rings uh, free part book, I've never read The Silmarillion, so I don't know a lot of this stuff. But looking up the band name, I ended up on a Wikipedia for Lord of the Rings, And I know this might be stating things completely obvious, I could not believe the amount of stuff in the Silmarillion bands have taken names from. The amount of metal band names from Lord of the Rings is even worse than I initially thought it was. Uh, I think there might be more Lord of the Rings like references in metal than Lovecraft ones. At either rate, as a scene, I do think we might need to get together at some point and read some other books, because, great as both of those are, uh, the, the influence pool is kind of, what, hemmed in at about a grand total of 3,000 pages between those two authors? Um, yeah, it... It's like, I, I'm being fairly facetious, like, fans are welcome to like their names from Lord of the Rings. I just, yeah, I thought, oh, that's that's a really interesting choice of name. And like, oh, no, nah, actually, it's kind of, kind of, kind of generic, actually. So, as I was saying, the band was sadly quite short-lived. They broke up very soon after this EP. Apparently, they only, in their, entire career only played about 15 gigs, like, around Sweden, with a few kind of quite well-known bands, but... um yeah, they, they never really got much label support or took off to anything big. Uh, they, with the interviews in in the booklet for this, um, they talk about how a lot of the members of the band are getting far more into progressive stuff, like taking a big influence from, say, like bands like early Genesis and things like that, and was saying that their next evolution, had they continued as a band, probably would have been to put a lot more of that into their sound um possibly following a similar path to their their friends in afflicted and really go, like, going for a massive change in direction of their second album well second like longer release i guess at any rate and I, I would have loved to have seen it like maybe this would have been another kind of wolverine blues that kind of massive direction change that um the yeah fans got on board with and birthed a whole new subgenre, or it could have been much like Afflicted, where they just pissed off their entire existing fan base and wouldn't have been worth all that much. Either way, it's a shame. Like apparently the band ha- had like a, the best part of an album written, ready to go, and it just never never ended up making it to any studio. And the 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 band have no interest in resurrecting this. Apparently the bass player is like sort of. Completely given up on on music, so sadly, all that material is is just lost to time, which is a bit of a disappointing end. But I still think um this album, Across the Horizon, alone, is well worth. Like it, it they still got enough of a legacy from this kind of ascu- obscure, obscure as it is. It's still a really brilliant landmark from the Swedish scene from that like early nineties period. So next up is a band I want to talk about because I really love this demo, but they do have probably the most problematic name in my entire music collection. This is another Swedish death metal one. This demo is from 1998. The band is Treblinka, uh, named after the uh, death camp, like in true teenage, trying to be way too offensive fashion. Sensibly, in very soon after these early releases, they would change their name to Tiamat. Uh, which is a lot more tasteful. This is their, their debut EP, Crawling and Vomits. So, band that would be possibly best, like, assigned to the the sort of uh, depths of history if it wasn't for the fact they were doing interesting stuff with, with Swedish death metal as early as 1988. Like, they really were sort of ahead of the curve in that scene. Their debut demo as well is this really fascinating... Um, thing where it, it's sort of some young guys attempting to do extreme metal with the skills and equipment of very young teenagers, so it's it's just such a weird sounding e p um the the guitar tone is like this kind of very muted hard rock tone, like I don't think it's even remotely detuned there's like barely any distortion on anything. The, the drummer definitely isn't at the level of playing, like, fast double kicks or anything like that. I don't even know if he's got a double kick pedal with him. But the thing that makes it, like, really distinctly metal is um, Joanne England, who is still, to this day, the current vocalist of Tiamat, Um His incredibly, kind of, like, brutal vocal approach. He does these amazingly unique screams on this, like, that have this kind of, like, gruesome like spat almost like vomited sound to it hence the the fitting title to the album and and the the this demo has like really great kind of um evil sounding riffs it's like despite all the kind of failings of their their equipment and playing ability like it's really got this kind of like nasty evil atmosphere they were clearly going for at the time so you can see kind of the evolution into what they become, like, like all these guys went on, I believe, to be on the first TMS album, Sumerian Cry, then sort of I think everyone who's involved in Trinkler left, and it was just uh, John England um, who sort of forged on with the band onto, like, you know, their legendary period of The, the Astral Sleep and Wild Honey. Weirdly enough it has just occurred to me and I think I've been confusing these two albums forever. I've never checked out Tiamat's Sumerian Cry. I only know The Astral Sleep and uh Clouds and Wild Honey and a few of the later less the albums I was less into. But like, yeah, I need to go back to that because I really like this demo like uh, as I say despite all it's kind of flaws and weirdness there's some great moments actually there is uh, a great example of what happens when you try and shred and there's no distortion on the the song hail to cruelty there's this like solo that tries to go really quick and is just just complete basically disaster it was probably probably the effect of one they couldn't quite get the tone they wanted and two essentially um like probably had like a day to record this thing, so that's the take they got to go with. The the so after this they put out um, a f- follow up demo and then the the EP uh, Severe Abominations and now like you can get a compilation of all their stuff uh, uh, Shrine of the Pentagram, which um, yeah I I need to I need to pick up because I've only got this demo and I don't have the rest of the collection as i say really great interesting stuff problematic name aside interestingly with that name they decided to reform in um 2008 for a couple of live gigs along with the like many of these bands like we've spoken about from the swedish scene with the release of daniel Eckeroff's uh, swedish death metal book in 2008 loads of well, maybe 2007 that came out whatever like loads of bands like reformed around that time like Nirvana 2002 started gigging again um i don't know why i'm blanking more that reformed specifically first but yeah a load of bands who would either put out like individual like a single album or many that didn't even get past demo forms came back to the stage interestingly uh John England uh didn't want to be involved with the project i think either because he felt he'd move past it with, like, Tiamat evolving away from their sort of death metal origins, or, you know, the problematic name, he didn't want to be associated new band with that again, but to, to fill in for the lack of him being in the band, they got the, um, the Tyrant and Hellbutcher of Niflheim in to, uh, to do guitar and vocals, which seems like a definite, uh, trade up in terms of being cult. Oh yeah, I would have loved to have seen these shows. Also going over their um, their metal archives, apparently Nicky Anderson played live drums for them for a bit which is is very cool. So yeah, these guys had a pretty considering never getting past doing an EP release, they had a pretty cool history with um, yeah, some sort of vaguely massive luminaries of the scene filling in for the band. i say this is one you you're gonna have to forgive a lot. he's it is raw and rough, and very much just uh, <laughs> the best—the best of a bad bunch of equipment, I imagine, or or lack of knowledge. But I love the kind of the really youthful energy of this one. It's got that amazing vibe of some kids trying to play like the scariest, hardest music they could, without really the knowledge of how to push that to the next extreme at this stage. Oh, and the outro to the album is absolutely horrible. We did not need a one minute long sample of someone vomiting, that's just gross. (laughs) a uh, bit of a power cleb so we will go for a bit of a silly more modern one this is the county medical examiners with their second and a final album i believe uh, optimus operatus from 2007 um i think they i think they broke up soon after this but because i not but anything more than ever really played live so this band are kind of like a silly tribute to carcass like musically if we just focus on that bit of it this is an amazing kind of like symphonies of sickness worship with slightly kind of more modern tool production and like quite an interesting take on doing the ultra deep vocals but um they're they're like fun gimmick is they claim to be like fully qualified medical doctors uh i think in in practice of the the free guys in the band um Two of them, like, um, were somewhat involved in med school, and um, uh, as and they all went by like stage names of I say stage names. I've never actually played live, but like like fake names of like Doctor Jack Putnam, MD, Doctor Guy Radcliffe, MD, PhD. Apparently, Guy, uh, who is the the much older member of the band, um, is is just like a, a morgue worker. But, like, they, they gave them a kind of um, an interesting, like... I know, they definitely did a good job of, in the early 2000s, keeping the the lie going. They very much committed to this. And having, uh, if you look up, like, a picture of the band, Guy, the, the older member of the band, is about 60 and looks like a medical professional. Apparently, as well, not remotely into metal. Was just, you know, happy to do, like, bass and vocals and it. It's just fun. I believe he's the one responsible for, like, the, um, the ultra-low vocals in this. Yeah, it's um yeah so there's that like whole fun element around it if they they very much were pretending to be medical experts and the the album this is their second album i've not actually um i've got a copy of the first but this one comes with a really fun booklet as well of around all their their kind of lyrics the lyrics do seem far more whereas like that early carcass was quite um quite slapdash in its sort of medical references this has a lot of really kind of clever odd stuff going in it on in it like lots of like semi-realistic seeming references and it's all done in this kind of like 1800s medical textbook type format complete with that style of like black and white uh, hand-drawn diagrams of weird um weird instruments of both medical and musical variety like which would uh, get another kind of nice touch the cover is very much a, a corpsey collage much like the carcass um the carcass one and i've seen a lot of people criticize the band for just essentially being carcass worship but, they don't make any bones about it, I mean, I remember the, the album came with a sticker which I, I've since peeled off so I can only, I'm only quoting it from memory of like, sort of 12 years ago when I bought this, but it was something like a list of, for fans of, of bands, like it was like like autopsy, side, carcass, 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 and carcass. Um, and there's even a note in the in the back of the album booklet of uh, this album is dedicated to carcass. We are but flies buzzing around your perfect putrefying corpse. At this time, it would have been a bit before they uh, they reformed, so that but, yeah, maybe less corpse-like now. But yeah, the, I I I like this for just being something that you know clearly set out to do a certain sound and they executed it incredibly well like there's plenty of bands who who have you know done interesting stuff with that carcass format and and started off in this position of really worshiping them you know uh stuff like impaled or like hemorrhage this has a bit of like a kind of similar dna from the start point it just hasn't had what most of those bands have of evolving over like six albums into being their kind of own thing and um the one member of this band uh, uh Matt Widener um who seems to be like the kind of the guy with actual sort of metal pedigree in this was briefly in exhumed for a couple of their early demos including a split with hemorrhage um and now is in uh, Cretin with um Marissa Martinez most famously uh, guitarist and vocalist briefly for extremity and guitarist for repulsion for for a couple of years creating a really interesting project well worth looking up their own like kind of a a very interesting unique take on grind but back to like, the the core sound of this album it is like as i say that that's sort of symphonies of sickness worship but we've kind of kind of a far brighter tone to it the guitars are kind of quite nasty but the the bass and because of the the three piece the bass cut through the mix quite a lot the bass is really clean and like the opening trap casper's dictum actually ends in a in a full like full-on like kind of weird jazzy bass solo which I i think was a really really neat little trick the leads uh the guitar leads in this are very sort of Early Bill Steer influence, like I can definitely hear echoes of like the exhume to consume solo in places, and I, I love the, the, the dual vocal trade off. I'm always a big fan of like the high versus low. Um, the high screams in this are, you know, they're they're cool, but pretty standard kind of early grind screams but as I say the low vocals they trade them offers are amazing because the lows aren't even really screamed they're just like a kind of hyper deep voice uh, trading off with the the screams which um yeah I think uh, I think um gives a really cool counterpoint as I say nothing truly invented in this album but over its half hour runtime it certainly doesn't um outstay is welcome there's a lot of really solid riffs so if you're up for giving a band with a kind of a interesting aesthetic go who are essentially not bringing a huge amount news to the table i thought this is a a really fun release <laughs> It's real German band Torture from with their debut album from nineteen ninety two Beyond the Veil. So Torture is spelled a really weird way, T O R C H uh, U R E, and these guys kind of play a great take on that kind of sort of mid-paced kind of asphyxi um, death metal that kind of like sort of that kind of infused with a doomy atmosphere without ever like really slowing down to doom riffs. The the album kicks off with a kind of like synthy intro, which again I normally wouldn't really like, but the way they blend it with their sound, I think works really well. Of um, the they bring in all these kind of like tortured screams, like the vocalist adds a load of his vocals over it, so it actually builds really nicely into the the first track in his grip, and yeah, it just feels like a great payoff when the guitars of that track finally kick in after the two minutes of the kind of synth intro and the guitar tone on this album I think is one of the things that really um, really sells it for me it's just it's got a great heft to it the the drummer on this uh, Stefan Pickbrender uh, he Brenner sorry um, he like adds this kind of layer of double kicks throughout like pretty much everything whether it's going fast or slow there's like kind of this continuous double kick so with these kind of hefty like down tuned guitars chugging away with this double kick everything has like a nice drive to it The there is like in the riffing everything's kind of straightforward it is your kind of like standard death metal fare the interesting take i think these guys had on um sort of death metal in this era is the huge use of um of synths throughout this album so something that's a bit like i find slightly confusing about this is according to metal archives the version i've got this album is incredibly different to i think what was originally released like the the album I got is a twelve-song album. The original is only, only a kind of eight-song, and what they've kind of padded out on this—I'm not quite sure—the history of this re-release is with a load of like additional um, synth passages. Um, yeah, so there is these these sections like uh, track uh, track four, "Mortal at Last." is this, like, another, like, four-minute kind of synth interlude with this cool, like, vocals laid over it. And I think this really helps to kind of, like, create the atmosphere of this album. Yeah, there's not a great deal of information in the the reissue booklet about about these additional tracks they've added in. But for me, they really work, like, so that... that, that kind of additional instrumental comes in, not instrumental, kind of interlude type song comes in before the kind of massive centrepiece of the album Resort to Mortality, which is this 12 minute long epic that goes through a load of really interesting movements like having great bits where they layer the synths over some of the guitar works and they've got like atmospheric passages some big sort of heavy section in the middle, it's just like I just like this sound for having some very creative songwriting without even like the most kind of Technical chops, like the guys, um, they don't really solo much. Like they they don't do a huge amount that's very showy. This is just the core of it is just really good riffing, but with like some quite creative ideas in terms of structure. Um, I really like the vocals of uh, Martin Mazak. He he's, like does an excellent job of uh, adding this kind of like great kind of uh, like mid range howl over the top of everything. Just a really solid death metal vocalist. Um there's a real chat tragedy attached to this album though. The band um I believe was centered around the the brothers uh forston and uh Andres uh Reisdorf, uh who played guitar and bass and both of them died in a car accident the year this album was released. So uh there's a there's a really nice um I think it's a translation of a note left by their younger sister in the in the booklet for the re-release about, you know, sort of like their their legacy and it's a shame like yeah it's just real tragedy it must have been incredibly young and sort of yeah just just at that point where they were starting to tour off the back of putting out a really solid debut album interestingly enough the um the band continued and put up a put out a follow-up album the essence the year later so i'm not sure how much of the the writing of the two brothers made it to that album or whether this was um was a completely sort of new lineup. And interestingly as well, with the follow-up, they actually recruited a full time keyboard player into the band, which um which I, I think is necessary because something really interesting about Torture is this is an album from nineteen ninety two where almost every single track, like a death metal album, has almost every single track with keyboards overlaid in it. Which outside of uh Nocturnus, I can't think of another band that like that heavily relied on uh, Keyboards in quite a brutal kind of setting and it's interesting because these guys have nothing in common with that band They're none of that like flashy Technicality none of them, like the sci-fi these keyboards are far more as I say like horror movie rooted That seemed to be a big thing actually in the European scene is that chasing of a kind of more horror movie kind of sound um and I think th- I think this album does a really good job of pulling it off. Beyond the veil, I think even the title sounds like it sounds like a horror movie title, mixed with this sort of kind of pretty grim cover of this uh, like sort of corpse of an old man sat in a chair, sort of staring towards the uh, towards like out of the cover. It, yeah, it, it just very good at creating a vibe throughout. And I, I think, yeah, as I say, like a lot of the European scene seemed to really nail that feeling of like more creeping dread, whereas the American scene was probably more rooted in um, in brutality. Obviously, you know, that's like a very big generalization. You look at a band like Infesta, super rooted in the horror rather than the brutality, but you can't, I, I guess you can pretty see what I'm getting at. The band seemed to split up not long after that second full length, and yeah, The saddle is just another one of those um, really short-lived projects. Um, from this time period but I've I think a really interesting artifact It's definitely like that that one touch and some of the structural things they've done on it to my mind does make it stand out as slightly different from a lot of stuff in this era So to finish off, uh we're gonna go for another band from same country, same time period. This is uh Flesh Cruel from Germany and their nineteen ninety-two debut, Descent into the absurd. Yeah, another band where I'm totally stretching the definition of um of obscure. I mean the guys have put out like ten albums at this point and are still active, putting out their latest into the catacombs in um in 2019 so the band started out originally under the name suffocation and then changed that in 91 for um obvious reasons and actually they're called morgoth before that so the guys have been doing enough like building up some demos they put out the lost in the grave ep ahead of this so they've clearly kind of honed their skills going into the full length and what we get with descent into the absurd is a masterful death metal album this is just it's one of those things. Like uh, I love the quote about vomitry of like there being none more death metal than vomitry. They are just the pure distillation of death metal. This feels like another another band very much in the, that vein of this is the most kind of pure to the point kind of death metal sound for for 1992. This is this is a great dis distillation of the best things about death metal in this era the um the album starts with a completely irrelevant in like intro the between shadows they crawl like a almost three minute instrumental that has no bearing on the rest of the album which i think makes it incredibly death metal but definitely in the realm of just skip this track and go straight on to uh frenetic tendencies the the album opener proper these guys are incredibly gifted in this point in time the drumming is like furious and fast throughout, like really tight double kick work and plenty of really exciting fills. The guitar tone is really detuned and nasty. Absolutely love the sound of the two guitarists on this. And then uh vocalist uh Alex Pretzer is just really beastly on this. He um yeah, has a really potent growl. Like I love the sound of his vocals. The the whole thing is just like as I say, just perfectly executed death metal. There's some really kind of fun changes in pace because a lot of the songs actually come in, like, you know, the six, seven minute mark. They go through that thing I really like in this style of death metal of having quite kind of chaotic song structures, not that simple kind of like verse, chorusing. There's a lot of interesting parts put together. If you go for something like the the end of the track, Never Die Again, goes into this really interesting... Um, section in its last two minutes like following the solo where you get a load of like cool melodic sections and like slow downs and then back into a blast beat like there's a big you know enough exciting stuff happening in that two minutes to uh to cover an entire track the album cover fits perfectly as well it's it's um yet another sort of uh geiger worship piece of like these kind of like Sort of like serpent, like like metallic type serpents around this this great waterfall. You know, somewhat reminiscent of the uh, like an ever flowing stream cover. But yeah, like really nicely pulled off with flesh crawls like horrible logo over the top of it. A- absolutely perfect for this. The um, the production as album, I think, is another thing that really um, really sells it. Like it's just. It's got such a good tone to it. I think it's one of those, as soon as the opening riff came in, I, I, knew, I knew I was a fan of this album. Like, I just loved everything about the tone. Um, it's put out on Black Mark Productions, which, you know, fairly, fairly common for this kind of sound at the time. It's interesting as well, I, I realised going through like the last couple, like as I've said, i recorded these three episodes of Death Metal forgotten Gems, like in a bit of a row. And it hadn't really clocked up to now how many of the bands were um, really good German ones. So I've been saying a lot how I think the Netherlands is going to be like the next scene everyone starts leaning into and mining for great 90s content. But it seems like there was a great load of... Um, German bands in this and actually even in earlier parts stuff like uh, Jumpin' Jesus were um, were another German one so uh, there seems like there was some really interesting stuff happening there like possibly inspired by the success of bands like um, Sodom and Destruction like and Creator like following on in that mold sorry Tankard I don't know why I left you out of that but <laughs> for some reason it's the big three of German bands um, uh, but yeah like there's there definitely seems to be something really interesting happening in the scene around this time. And, and quite different takes, like Fleshcrawl and Torture we played before. those Both those albums, you know, same country, same year. Nothing relating them. Completely different takes on this. This is so much more kind of fast and aggressive. She I'd say it has a lot more in common with the Up uh, No album I played earlier. It's, um yeah, far more of that kind of focus on brutal drumming um and real intensity rather than kind of more atmospheric stuff although that aforementioned excellent tone really does capture a lot of that like that that is enough to keep it like quite kind of grim sounding also all the all the the leads in this are very minor key much like something like death evocation these guys are great at just throwing in you know that kind of relatively simple lead passages that just massively add to all the riffs like around them and just keep everything having that kind of that grim atmosphere to them. Yeah, so if you've never checked out Fresh Crawl, I'd definitely advise starting with this one. But as I say, they've got a really kind of uh, long career after this point. They, um, I think they, they go on fairly solidly releasing stuff into the early 2000s. I'm not sure if they like sort of split up for a bit or what. Like they seem to, they have an hour out in 2007, then come back in 2019, and it seems like yeah, over that time, like the lineups changed quite a lot. Um, uh, Bastian Herzog, the aforementioned excellent drummer, is the only the only guy from the initial lineup, and their current lineup doesn't feature anyone who was sort of with the band in their first six years, other than himself. Another cool like crossover thing with uh, stuff we've covered in these these episodes is um, they're directly following this. They were on a split release with um, my French like favorites, uh, um, Separation, with a couple of tracks from the Creeping Unknown demo, which was a really good demo. Just before they went on to uh, do their the legendary debut full length, The Cube. So yeah, this is a, that's a cool overlap. That'd definitely be an interesting split release with um an awfully named band of capital r capital u dead question mark who um <laughs> another german death metal band uh, who only only put out a few eps in total but maybe worth checking out i mean if they somehow ended up on a split with two bands this great i would um yeah <laughs> that's, that's definitely kind of a, some seal of approval yeah so much like i've been saying with a lot of these episodes I've found enough stuff I need to go off and listen to in more detail. Like Fleshcrawl is definitely a discography dive I need to, I need to do um, at some point soon. First off, I've got to get the um, sort of all my 2020 research, which will be long in the long in the past though, by the time you're listening to this. But yeah, then then it might be time for a bit of a dig into that. But um, I think I said this in the previous episode. I think I've, I've plumbed like old death metal quite a lot for the last... I realise in the last year. So, probably want to look into some new territories in the near future, like some other genres I maybe dwell on less. So, please get in touch if you've got any suggestions of things you'd like me to cover. Um, yeah, I'd be really up for doing some some different themes. I'm having... having a bit of a lack of ideas for new episodes. So, if you've got any... any suggestions of, like, a band's discography you want to d- me to dive into, a whole... A scene that's really interesting, you know, a country at a certain time period. Even something like focusing on some newer albums, because I realise, like, for the most part of this podcast, I always tend to talk about newer stuff as just in one massive lump at the end of the year, other than like the odd album I scatter in there. So maybe I need to think of a good format to talk for talking about what I'm currently listening to. Problem is, it doesn't really fit into a theme, but then if you don't mind me just doing a what I'm listening to episode every so often that could make my life a lot easier so yeah like, hit me up and let me know what you think um you can get in touch at breakfast metal on twitter phil's breakfast metal at gmail.com for the email and uh breakfast me- phil's breakfast metal on facebook messaging on there i sh- I, sh- I try and stay on top of my messages so if you do get in touch i should be i should get back to you and yeah if you've got anything um anything you want to plug as well let me know like if you've you you know recently re- recently started a band i won't guarantee i'll share it but um I'll at least give it a listen, and yeah, if I like it, um, yeah, I'll plug it on the podcast. So anyway, yeah, thanks a lot for listening.